Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you are one of our patrons, this is your extended ad-free version of this week's show. And thank you uh, to Paul Middleton, who's the most recent person I saw who has uh, upgraded his pledge and is now getting extra message. So thank you very much, Paul, and everyone else who is supporting us. Um, you are getting a-, got a good extra message this week to, li- to enjoy. He's got a good one that's coming out next week to oh, right, enjoy. Yes. Well, I mean, they're all good, but, you know, I was we, involved in the next one. So. Uh, it's true. Ian was involved in the next Extra Message. The first of the of the five that we'll have done by that point uh, that wasn't monologued by me. Mm. So look forward to that. Um, everyone can support us if you wish uh, by going to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. Thank you very much, patrons. Gizmodo wrote this week that Huawei is unveiling its first 5G phone for the UK next week. But, Ian, there might be a problem. Not with Huawei's phone, uh, but the fact that the UK's 5G networks may be delayed. Now, I was covering uh, yet another parliamentary hearing this week, but this time it was the government's culture secretary, Jeremy Wright, answering questions posed by a committee of MPs. The MPs were asking several things, but at one point they were asking about what the latest was in terms of the investigation into Huawei and the hardware it makes for phone networks. You may have heard about this. It's been all over the news for quite some time now. Uh, People are concerned that at worst, Huawei is a Chinese spy masquerading as the world's biggest maker of telecoms equipment, or at best, its products have some security holes that need patching before companies are allowed to use them here. Anyway, as part of the uh, the answering of the questions about that, Jeremy Wright said, here's a quote. There's certainly a possibility of a delay in the process of the rollout of 5G. If you want to do 5G fastest, you do it without any consideration of security. We're not prepared to do that, so I don't exclude the possibility there will be some delay. Uh, discussion followed around what sort of a delay we might be talking about here, and the answers were, to be honest, a bit uh, a little bit vague. Basically, the more equipment the government says we shouldn't be using, the longer the delay. That might all sound obvious, but this was kind of the first time we'd we'd heard it come out in a forum um, like that uh, from from him. And uh, this won't necessarily stonewall the, the 5G plans, of course, at least I don't think, because Huawei isn't the only company that makes 5G equipment, but it's definitely something um, to pay attention to, I think, because there's obviously so much attention on, um, on Huawei anyway, and this is the first time it's sort of had a possible consumer impact, right, Ian? I suppose you could debate how much of a consumer impact it has, because... We're not likely to see very much in the way of 5G for most people this year, are we? I mean, there'll be launches, um, but whether there'll be the sort of things that people are queuing up to pay extra for, I I feel sceptical about that. The question I would raise is just exactly how worried are we about um, voice conversations anyway? Uh, If you want an an end-to-end encrypted call, you can do it on WhatsApp um, or any other voice chat i don't know i'm assuming discord isn't encrypted but you know there are plenty of ways to have an encrypted conversation if you want there's never been easier for the public there's also vpns that work very simply on phones that enable you to encrypt 
all of that data going out. So I'm, I, I kind of feel like it's the kind of thing that anyone who really cares about it isn't without option. Um, and obviously government people, anyone in a sensitive environment would be using specialist tools to make phone calls that were of a sensitive nature. Someone said on Twitter the other day to me, um, I'd rather it was the Americans spying on us than the Chinese. And I'm like, I don't really see the distinction. I don't want, I don't feel like normal citizens should be the subject of spying, no matter what government it is, although it is a reality that it happens. This was going to be about the delay to 5G coming to our mobile phones. I know, but is there really going to be a delay to 5G? That's, well, yes. I mean, according to Bloomberg. (laughs) Oh, well, what do they know? (laughs) I don't know. The the author seemed to know his stuff. Um, Well, here's here's a thing for you, okay? Um, Vodafone had uh, uh, announced, uh, sent me an email saying that it was going to um, have a 5G launch and then moved it and hasn't restated when it will happen. Um, I think we're all broadly aware that EE will launch at some point soon, although we don't know when. Um, But I feel like it was going to be this month. So if it doesn't happen this month, then maybe that is kind of a, um, then maybe there is a delay. But it's difficult to know, isn't it? I mean, I don't imagine the mobile companies will be admitting it if that's the case. But do you think that they will actually tear the equipment out that they've already put into place? Possibly, yeah. I think we'll find out the answers to a lot of this quite soon. I got the distinct impression that uh, the report that has been completed, uh, well, A, has been completed and will be published um, quite soon. So I think we will find out what the recommendation um, is going to be soon. But I would say let's just keep our hats on in terms of getting excited about 5G occurring as quickly as we believed it would be i think it may be i think it may be a few months delayed that i'm only i'm only modestly and excited about the launch anyway i'm excited about the technology and i love hearing about it and um you know working on it but um i i'm i'm actually indifferent to a launch because um there is such little choice of hardware let us know any thoughts you have on this uh should you have them uh, hello at techpodcast.uk. You know the score. You can tell us there. Um, and we all keep you posted on uh, what we hear behind the scenes, won't we, Ian? Oh, if we get any juicy information, you're certainly right. Oh, I'm always getting juicy information. Let's stay on the wonderfully exciting, not at all tedious uh, topic of UK government. But don't worry. (laughs) Don't worry. This is a very different type of story. And thank you, I believe, to KV uh, in our Discord for flagging this to us a few days ago. The UK government has got on board the mobile payment bandwagon, Ian, and announced this week that it's going to start accepting Apple Pay and Google Pay for a number of transactions on its gov.uk portal. These include... You ready, Ian? Are you on the edge of your seat? Yeah, I actually am. Do you? Are you really? Well, that's just because of the way I'm sitting. I don't know why I'm sitting like this, but I am right on the edge of it. Might change better... actually. Hold on, I'm going to shuffle back. You need better posture. I will introduce you to my yoga teacher. Well, I tell you, I'm going to. I'm thinking about buying a new chair actually. Fascinating. Um... <laughs> so the things that are included in this uh, are global entry service. That's what enables UK citizens to get expedited entry into the United States. Um, basic background checks. Registered traveller service, which is uh, what frequent visitors to the to, to non-EU countries, or rather, 
visitors from non-EU countries use to get into the UK, the UK when they're using the like the biometric e-gate things, uh, and then the uh, the electronic visa waiver service, which has allowed people from a, a few Middle East countries to travel to the UK. So if you're using any of those things, um, then you can now use Apple Pay on the web, or sorry, on on the smartphones. Mm. And I got a statement here from the cabinet office. Would you like to hear what it says? Yeah, go on then. It reads the following, Ian. Following the initial trial, it's planned to roll mobile payments across further central government services and later this year make it available for local government, police and NHS organisations. As well as being more convenient, these innovative payment types will also be more secure since they allow the use of fingerprint and facial recognition technology through users' phones. Why do you think this is interesting, Ian? You're just I just have to guess my reason for wanting to talk about this. Um, and don't cheat and look ahead in the script. I, I mean... <clears throat> Because government is traditionally a pain and paying for things and all of the services are just feel like they're from the 70s. I mean, I would actually fundamentally disagree on part of that. I think some of the government's websites uh, for applications for things, I think, are actually very, very clear and nicely designed. Not all of them, certainly. But I was going when I was doing my driver's application uh, recently, I I was pretty impressed with how fluid that whole process was. Mm, Okay, fair enough. pleased with that um the reason i'm intrigued and excited about this uh, ian is because i feel like this is the first step to allowing biometric authentication to be applied to more than just payments think right. about think about the idea of so being like logging into your bank with your fingerprint id or face id which you can do but you can't do that on the government you, on the government website, yeah, or yes. for authorizing, uh, you know, repeat prescriptions, or oh, for yes. e- even passing through border security, you know. I, so I mean, you it sort would of be... see this as being a, 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 a an opportunity for us to use our biometrics on our phones as a as a more broad um, authentication thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, and absolutely, and and John has actually touched on a point more coherently than I think I would have explained, which is uh, about voting. Imagine if, if if you were able, if you had your face registered or, you know, fingerprint registered or whatever, and you were able to vote electronically using, you know, biometrics. Like mm. this is this is a long, long, long step down, step down the road. But, well, but it's the I, reason that I'm excited by this. I'm not. Um, I th- uh, uh, Tom Scott um, on YouTube has a really good video about why electronic voting is and always will be a disaster. Um, it seems to be working quite well for Estonia. Well, you, you can say that if you want, but um, I watched the video. It's really interesting. Um, it, it really, really is. It's... I don't watch videos from anyone who has a two first names as a first name and or a surname. <laughs> I mean, that's the most ridiculous thing you've ever said. But I, I would encourage you to do so, to, to, to do so because the the pencil and paper method is about as uninterferable with as is possible for it to be. Um, anytime you introduce computers, it's a big problem. What about the counting with the human hand? Um, I, I don't know. Seems to work. People wouldn't tolerate it if you know the, the, the candidates themselves would be would not tolerate any opportunity for um, miscounting and that kind of thing. You get recounts all the time. Uh, I, 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 it's, I would say it's worth. I can't. It's no point me really parroting everything he said, and I can't remember it all anyway. But I would encourage you to watch it uh, because. Can we- 
can we just step into the utopia of my mind for of just course. a moment? Because this is all about the excitement of what if it would work and was okay. Yeah. It's a hypothetical positive thinking here. Uh, and that's why I like this, because this is putting payments, technology, biometrics at the forefront of paying for things with government. And that is a step that can only be pointed towards using like biometrics and smartphones for mm. more things. If it works, I think it would be pretty game changing. No, I mean, I, I, I'm happy to live in this uh, utopia. I, I think that um, there are a lot of things, like you said, I think I'm probably more interested in repeat prescri prescriptions and stuff like that because um, a lot of the a lot of the government services are, they have a government gateway idea at the moment, don't they? And it isn't a very good system. No, in fact, um, it was, it was, there was a report this week that it's called Verify and it was published and criticised as being a massive failure. And I actually knew that this was a massive failure and I'm annoyed about this because I was going to write a story because I was speaking to Margot James, um, MP, and who else was I speaking to? One of the shadow MPs about uh, proposition, uh, proposals to make a much, much better standardised identity uh, system for British citizens. Um, and I think I could have I could have had this story if I'd have pushed it that a little longer. It's a bit of inside baseball for you, all, but yeah. that annoyed that annoyed me. Well, the other thing that I'm thinking about when it comes to this uh, this topic is, uh, do I really want the government being able to um, you know build up a more complete picture of me? Do do I want government um, all the government services to be linked to one another um, and for that to be, you know, something. Because if you lose control of that for some reason and we each only have, you know, one set of fingerprints and one face, um, if you somehow lose control of that, and I don't know well, why that would happen, but it could, then that's a real problem. Like someone could access literally everything about you. Um, you know, the government can see everything about what you do from every sort of disparate service for it. I mean, I'll give you an example. I mean, um, the TV license isn't a government thing, but, it, you know, if that was part of it, if it was, you know, part of a sign-in process, then they know about that. Um, you know, any anything that where you have to register um, and use that biometric data could be something they would build up a picture about you that I'm not comfortable with. Does that make yeah, sense? And it it does yes it, like a like a, a massive spike on a ferris wheel it's a fair point um and uh, and actually luke pointed out something interesting in the chat as well which is that um having any kind of electronic voting also means there's a possibility that your vote won't always be completely anonymous which is you know um, a very fair very fair yeah, point yeah yeah and i mean obviously uh, vote anonymity is 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 guaranteed pretty much by um the pencil and paper system i i noticed that um uh, John said that there's plenty of paper-based rigging, and, and absolutely, um, but that tends to be um, from inherently corrupt uh, dictatorships and governments, uh, rather than. I mean, I mean, not saying that ours is perfect, but I do, I do feel like um, in this country there is a relatively solid back history of, you know, um, reliable paper voting. <laughs> According, Ian, to a write-up on Friday by the Birmingham Mail, 
eBay is going to open its first concept store, uh, offering small businesses the chance to sell their products. Hold that criticism for just a moment. Uh, Rob Hattrell, who's the vice president of eBay in the UK, told the paper, the small retailers taking part in Wolverhampton's retail revival have already shown that physical and online retail can survive and thrive together. Now, you may be asking, why are we talking about uh, a, a little store that's running for a month in the Midlands by eBay? And it's because it was a very, very slow news week. Almost, <laughs> almost so slow in terms of UK tech news uh, with a consumer angle that I almost considered not even doing a show this week. So that's why we're talking about the Midlands. It has come to that. Um, not that there's anything wrong with the Midlands, just that uh, this is a small story. But I have been using eBay quite a bit uh, recently, Ian. And have so you? this, yes, yeah, so this did excite me a little bit more than I than I initially thought. But I, I, I know that you did a, a, a mid, like mid monologue moan there. Uh, well, MMM. I did. I mean, so, I... I'm really Expand. bored. I'm really bored of companies setting up concept stores, um, and I'm particularly bored of the idea that eBay, an online auction site, is <laughs> considering it. I mean, I I, I can see. I, I suppose I can see it if there's enough um, local businesses that use eBay, but why? There's the internet. I mean, what, it's interesting, what's this... isn't it? Because yeah, eBay, eBay was an online version of a thing that happened in uh, a, a physical location, yeah. and now this is a store version of an online version of a thing that happened in a store. Well, not always a store, but you know, an auction. Well, you house. know, or an auction house or whatever. But <clears throat> I'm just, I'm all. I mean, it doesn't. It's not just eBay. I, you know, I roll my eyes when Samsung uh, creates a, uh, you know, a concept store or OnePlus or anyone like if you're going to do retail opening one concept store in one city is just it just seems pointless um and i i mean this is a this is obviously a very small part of um, a bigger picture um ebay already has deals with uh places like argos i think where you can um you can buy something on ebay and it will be delivered to your local argos meaning that you can pick it up when it's convenient to you rather than having to uh, wait for it to arrive in the post whenever it feels like it, um, but uh, and I mean yeah, I, I kind of I kind of get what they're saying, but I also don't see why it's eBay that um, is going to be responsible for this. W- you know, wouldn't it be better if there was some sort of coalition of local small businesses that would, which there almost certainly is, which would you know have a have a store that's the, the same kind of idea, or if we just approach the problem head on which is that a lot of small businesses can't afford high street rents and rates and that's actually the real issue it's not the high street isn't dying because there aren't people that want that you know because there's a lack of interest in people selling things because there is you know bespoke uh you know design and manufacture in every town and city in the uk um it's just that these things are unaffordable and it's getting worse that's an interesting point. I hadn't actually thought about that. The idea that yes, it's something that eBay could afford the the yeah. uh, the, the real estate um, and allow people who can't the ability to sell through it. Yeah, which is I mean, sort of, and that's I mean it's a little bit like what a market is, isn't it? Yeah, and, it and that, well, that's what exactly, eBay is. But, really. but it doesn't. But it doesn't really address the issue, does it? It doesn't. It all it does is it. It means that eBay then has control over um, a high street, perhaps, or. You know, we become reliant on 
bigger companies like Amazon doing the same thing and saying, oh, look, you know, we've got there's a load of people in Manchester who use uh, Amazon for these very bespoke things. Why don't we invite them all into our Amazon branded store? And, you know, you can pick up your Amazon packages and all that kind of stuff. And there's a selection of local wares. But it's just like, but then all it's doing is turning over the high street to big business. And then when they get bored or they uh, can't make a profit out of it, they just give up and go away again. And then that's it. You've got, you know, the high street is effectively then dead because, um, those companies have pushed up the rents, pushed, you know, the rates are already unaffordable. I was listening to a radio program about it, you know, and it's, it, 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 it's a shame because there are viable businesses that can't afford to be on the high street uh, that would like to be. And the high streets are dying because the only people that can afford the rents and rates are vape shops and coffee houses and charity shops and stuff like that. Um, and it's, it's making the high street a bit rubbish. Uh, and... You know, and then it's just it's just big business and the same thing over and over again. And every uh, local high street looks the same, and no one wants to go to them because you know we can buy all that main mainstream stuff easily over the internet. That's why I like um, a lot of the stores around Shoreditch in London. Is um, you get a lot of odd, oddments around there, like the Box Park for anyone who's been around there. Um, yeah, and, and most cities have something. Um, like that you know there's I, I've, I've been to places in Manchester that are like that um, I'm, I'm absolutely certain there's some part of Birmingham where there's this kind of opportunity um, you know and it's great um, and I, I would encourage it but at the same time I still worry that the problem isn't being solved by this and a- action is needed yeah, it's, uh, the, the chat room's talking a lot about uh, the prominence of vape shops, pangolin sandwich. Yeah, mentioned it's, it's, that and it's Nick. really interesting because I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know about the business behind vape shops, but um, I mean, I live in a, I live in a relatively, uh, I mean, I live near Surbiton, but that's not exactly where I live. And looking around this area, there are so many vape shops. It's, it, it's actually staggering. Um, and they all seem to be staying in business for more than a few months, so there must be real profit to be made. I don't know. Yeah, I've, I've thought I thought that, but every time I walk past them, firstly, I never see anyone in any of them, and secondly, it's always just some lonely guy, and it is for some reason seems to always be men standing behind the counter just looking at the phone. It looks like the most depressing <laughs> little hellhole in, in a cloud of uh, vape. In a cloud of vape, yeah, probably because you can yeah. vape in vape shops, obviously. It's just horrible. But you know, I, I was reminded. Um, well, just then, about uh, <laughs> a complaint that I once made uh, in a blog post years ago. <laughs> this is what a fas- fascinating episode this week's show is um, <clears throat> about uh, about Camden, because ah, yes. I remember walking up Camden as I well, I, I, I do less often these days, sadly, but I used to be there very frequently, and I walked past one shop that sold like novelty snow globes, and then you know next to that there was another shop that sold novelty snow globes and 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 maybe some uh, some leather belts and then a couple of stores down there was a shop that sold uh, novelty snow globes uh, and and so forth and i counted i think there's like 12 different shops up that single street it's not a massive street um, that all had snow globes or snow globe like paraphernalia mm. uh, within like the first bit of entrance in there and my first thought was how can there possibly be a need for this many bloody snow globe retail <laughs> stores uh, on a single street but then a, a, another bit of my brain fired up and said well they've also been in business for years so whatever the ridiculous appearance of all these shops uh, is they obviously make money because they're still in business and it's probably not cheap to have 
shop space in a, a very high foot trafficked uh, well, part of London. That's the thing, isn't it? They're tourist shops aimed at a relatively touristy part of London. They aren't shops that serve the local community especially well, uh, but there is enough footfall from people keen to see Camden. I mean, Camden's a great area. It has a lot going for it, um, those shops largely excluded. Uh, But there are obviously lots of places to go and eat and some good pubs and stuff like that. So um, it has has a relatively high amount of tourists, um, you know, walking through it, plus... London Zoo is just around the corner, isn't it? So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, it is. Nick Gassman in the chat room has pointed out a link to a BBC radio programme uh, behind the facades of uh, World of Business. Um, he's mm. asking if that was the show that you listened that to. That might well have been the show. There was a. I remember there was a bit about um, about suits. It was a. It was a suit company that was um, struggling, and they, you know, they had a. They had, I think, a retail position somewhere that was quite far off the beaten track. But they were unable to afford, I think it was something like £40,000 a year in rent alone. Um, so, you know, and, and but they were like, well, we obviously, obviously we would love to be on the high street because, you know, it means that we'll, people will see us and they'll, you know, ha- we'll have some passing trade. Whereas if you're, you know, you could be the best suit company in the world, but if um, no one's heard of you, then you ain't going to sell any suits. Word of mouth, mate. That's what it's all down to, isn't it? Well, of course, but that's a slow process, isn't it? It, You know, it requires that someone finds your shop for for the first time and then that they tell their friends and that their friends are buying enough of what you sell to make it worthwhile. But, you know, uh, yeah. Well, I have a request uh, for anybody in Wolverhampton uh, or who fancies going there. The shop is apparently open now. I'm on expressandstar.com and there's a story that has photographs from uh, from this store. So if anyone fancies going and checking it out, maybe doing a little audio report, um, do feel free to well do that and, and then <laughs> send it and then send it to us, and we'll listen to it. And if it's uh, if it's good, we'll put it in the show. Diving into the mailbag um, here, we've had some really encouraging feedback. I've been very humbled and encouraged uh, by the feedback that we've been getting to Extra Message, our new sister show on uh, for, for patrons. We put one out a couple of weeks ago now that was looking at sort of preserving memories and conversations and things for, for posterity. I, I'd said that, you know, I'd recorded my my grandma shortly, you know, before she died um, uh, mm. about sort of some of hearing some of her life story and her words but without telling her uh, Raphael wrote in and said I really enjoyed your extra message on recording your family members interactions for posterity still I think that doing that without telling them would be rude so I asked my father if he wanted to record his life story but he didn't alone or in conversation with me <laughs> the only Sounds thing he wanted very much like my dad that the only thing he wanted to do was talk to me one-on-one. So we made lots of walks, only the two of us, and it was the nicest thing ever because it was done with a purpose. And he, he mm. points out that, that he and I achieved the same thing but did it in two different ways. Uh, and I think that's great. you know. And, and th- th- as a journalist, I'm always very mindful of the ethical nature of recording people without them knowing because mm. uh, you know, a, a journalist should only ever tell people you know ask them if they mind your recording yes, you know every single not... person i interview you do that but it's but i think that on this for something like this for me the 
sort of the slight ethics was massively outweighed by knowing that I would have a, a very, you know, a perfectly natural conversation yeah. for years and years and years to come. And I just felt that was more valuable to me than the as slight ethical you, question mark was. As soon as you introduced the concept of it being recorded, I think people who aren't used to being recorded then immediately switch into a, a mode that's quite hard to get good stuff out of them. It's not yeah. impossible, but it, I think it requires hours and hours of recording to get them into it and you have to get them to agree to it and I know I know my my dad probably wouldn't but I have thought about this quite a bit you know I think you know everyone alive has such a wonderful range of stories to tell and and probably 90% of them have not been told um I'm thinking about my own life and you know I mean obviously I would struggle to remember bits of it but you know we did extra message didn't we talking about the um I'm gonna. Okay. I was gonna use that as a preview afterwards. Well, all right, that's fine. But we we, we talked about <laughs> memories, didn't we? Yeah, you know, it was yeah. it was relying on our memories, and a lot of people won't know any of those stories. So it, you know, it, it, it's it's easy to see the value of it. So um, I don't know. I, I I completely agree that you shouldn't do things without people's permission. But I can also completely understand people who do because it's harmless we're not talking about publishing these things are we we're talking about no, exactly. having a memory that's that's really only relevant to us anyway well i'm glad that the email from Raphael provoked uh, a conversation in its own right so that was really good pangolin sandwich actually in the uh, in the chat says we filmed my nan and granddad <coughs> talking one christmas and didn't tell them and now she's not with us it's one of the few videos i do have of her um so yeah, exactly. you know this this is why I think it's it's valuable. Uh, so thank you Raphael um for for listening to extra message and also for uh, for commenting. We've got a um an episode that as Ian sort of hinted at just now coming up next week that we we recorded already where we're going to take you back in time to 2007 when Ian and I first started podcasting together in a basement at CNET. You're going to hear a lot of interesting stories about the early days of our podcasting you're going to hear about what else we talk rory reads monitor punch uh segments we're going to talk about the phone gnome there's a lot of fun stuff there that i pretty much guarantee no one will have heard before and we had a lot of fun um doing that so we did yeah so that's uh that's coming up uh, but um so yes uh, you can get in on that if you wish to join us as a patron patreon.com forward slash uk tech um you can access all the extra messages straight away of course anyway text message keeps you informed about our british tech landscape but let's let's get into tom Merritt. um actually that oh. came out horrifically let's <laughs> let's get into a segment within which Tom Merritt is going to explain what's been happening in the wider world of technology over the last week. Hey, thanks, Nate. This week on Daily Tech News Show, all the cool AI announcements from Microsoft Build, some cool AI announcements and privacy efforts from Google I.O., why some apps might make you think crime is rising when it's not, one more voice asked for Facebook to be broken up and why his solution wouldn't help what he thinks the problem is. And Patrick Dorton explains why a brand new $3,000 laptop might not work as well as your current one, even though your processor is supposedly slower. All that and more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Thank you very much, Tom. Um, and thank you again to our patrons. It's uh, it's great to have you with us and supporting us and getting extra message and so forth. Patreon.com forward slash UK Tech. We'd also love to hear from you uh, if you'd like to email us. Uh, the address is hello at techpodcast.uk. You can follow us on Twitter. It's at text message pod. Uh, we post uh, all of the biggest 
British news stories and some from around the world so that people can keep up with the news just by following our Twitter feed and those obviously inform the show that week. If you've got a spare minute, you can review us on iTunes. That's the best way of supporting us without spending a penny. It surely, surely is, my friend. It surely, surely is. Right, I'm off. Thanks, everybody. Okay. (laughs) Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.